it's not about making you a better athlete. It's about giving you the tools to train your sport better. Mm -hmm. So if you can jump higher, if you can move faster, and if you can recover faster and you can train longer, it also means that you can train your tricks better. What's up, guys? Today's guest is a tricker turned podcaster and professional strength and conditioning coach. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Damien Zide. What's up, man? What's up? How are you? Good, man. I love the setup, too. Super professional uh, talking to another podcaster. I love it. I don't know if you can see it, but I'm in, in a gym. There's a gym back there. Ah, that's Weights what I was and power rack and everything. And this part is my, my home office, my podcast studio. So... All in one. <laughs> Amazing. Is this like a personal gym that you own or that you, you teach out of? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. And where are you based out there for uh, all of our listeners and audience? I'm in Stuttgart in Germany. Amazing. So Southwest Germany. Okay, cool. And is that where you're born and raised or is you spent the majority of your life out there? I'm actually born in France, Southern France. and um, But I moved uh, to Germany as a baby. With my parents, <laughs> not as a baby, but with my parents when I was uh, not even one year old. And um, I grew up a bit more south, but it's basically the same. Crazy. And I know we were kind of talking about it, like just barely off camera right now. But uh, what's the tricking scene like over there in Germany? Just because I personally haven't had a, a chance to visit there. Uh, what, what was it like back in the day and what is it like comparative to now? I started... Around 2004, so I was one of was one of the first German trickers. Um, so I know the old scene, and I've been out of the tricking scene in Germany for a few years now. And uh, I just started back again. And um, I don't really know a lot of people now. Uh, I just see some people on Instagram, and I know a few people here in in my town and um, the region, but not many people. I must say, it's a bit sad. That is wild, man. Yeah, I, I know you've been around for uh, for quite some time, uh, all the way dating back to, I think there's like an old YouTube channel, uh, Trick Squad. What what was Trick yeah. Squad? It's just me and my friends. And um, <laughs> yeah, we were like eight people and from different cities. Um, that's when, yeah, we, we started Trick, Trick Squad in 2005 or 2006. So a long, a lot, long time ago, and our best video was in 2009. Uh, it's it's called this is tricking this is the end ah. and it was actually our last sampler <laughs> so <laughs> it was actually the end very Not planned but uh and uh one of the guys is andy long you maybe know him dude super big in the action world nowadays yeah. wow yeah. that's crazy. unleashed no not unleashed uh, undisputed yes and uh check it john stunt team uh yeah he's a buddy of mine and uh we used to trick together a few years ago that's so crazy what a what a super small world uh, so do you still have any interactions with Andy or have you talked to him in recent years? I know he's just blown up in the independent action world and now the mainstream world. Yeah, my, I see everything on Instagram and Facebook of what he does. And um, I did a podcast with him, but it's in German. So uh, <laughs> about his story, how he met Jackie Chan and everything, because that's a crazy story. Yeah, You should, you should get in on the podcast. Actually, he is a requested guest. Him, him alongside okay, okay. with uh, some of our friends, Marshall Club. I don't know if you know Andy and Brian Lay. Uh, yeah. But uh, a lot of people have been requesting them, so I'll have to get them all in here full circle. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think he just started his own stunt team. Yeah, yeah he's been killing yeah. the action design. It's really cool to see because uh, for a long time, you know, um, I feel like 
for lack of a better term, like America was kind of like a hub for a lot of like major Mm -hmm. parts of sports. I mean, tricking at one point, a lot of people viewed America as like the hub and then like action design at one point too. But now it's just so cool to see so many people from around the world just absolutely killing it. Yeah, I I still remember his old videos where he just did like fights and stuff uh, 15 years ago and was already so good because it was like, he was like our Jackie Chan. Yes using props and everything and uh, being funny and stuff. So, yeah, it's amazing to see that uh, he made a Jackie Chan stunt team. That's amazing, man. And now, like, real quick, before we get into your your background and everything that you've uh, accomplished as far as making that transition in your career and what you studied, uh, I know that you have this podcast set up because you run a very successful strength and conditioning podcast, but I have no chance of pronouncing it. So how do you say it properly? It's called Kraftraum Podcast. It's just a German word for weight room. So... Uh, it's about everything, um, strength and conditioning, performance, um, sports psychology, physiotherapy, everything that's to do with sports. So uh, I have athletes as guests like you do and uh, experts from different fields. And uh, sometimes I do uh, solo episodes and talking about different topics. And uh, a big thing is always that it's evidence-based. So it's not just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy with the biggest biceps is doing 10 sets of uh, biceps curls, so you have to do it. No, it's about science and professional experience and uh, combining it all together. And so how long ago did you start your podcast and where can people listen to it at? I started in 2018 and I did over 200 episodes until now. So, um, And you can listen to it on every podcast platform everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcast, and uh, every podcast app, but it's in German. <laughs> so if you don't know English, uh, don't know German, uh, it's probably pretty hard to understand. <laughs> That's why I'm super stoked to have you on here today, because there's some episodes I looked up where I obviously couldn't understand them, but the topics were very interesting to me. So I'm going to delve into those a little later and kind of get your insight. Um, but just yeah. before we get into that, like um, just in general, how did you get into strength and conditioning? And I, I think you mentioned to me before that you studied sports science. Yeah. Um, so it goes all the way back when, well, when I was a little kid, my dad was always my superhero, uh, pretty active and we were always outside doing sports and, uh, I tried lots of different, different sports, um, until I landed on tricking in the beginning. I didn't even know what it was called. I was just playing Tekken with my friend, Eddie Gordo, and we wanted to do flips and I was Back in the day on, on Kaza and LimeWire, I was just downloading everything called Wushu, Kung Fu, Shaolin, Capoeira, and I stumbled over a video from Joey Ego. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Old the, school the, Tumblr I, It was called Fuck Matrix, This Is Real. And this blew my mind, this video. And that's how I began. And so I was always fascinated with jumping high because he was like jumping super, super high and making everything look effortless. And um, and even before that, he was just a guest on your podcast, uh, Eric Betts. Yes, one of my my original coaches, actually. It was so crazy to see it on a podcast because just a few days ago, I I found the video when he was on American Gladiators, and I watched this when I was maybe like five or six or seven years old with my dad, and they said that he is like a Power Ranger and was I was going crazy. I thought Power Rangers is not real, and then he he did a flash kick. Yes. In the beginning, in the intro. 
And since that day, I wanted to do to uh, I wanted to be able to do flips. So back in the gym when I did judo, I always ran and tried front flips, landing on my ass on my back as a five or six year old. And then we started um, going um, to the uh, to the pool and jumping in and doing flips. Later, I did inline skating in 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 vert vert ramps. That's where I first tried like misty flips and bio 540s it's yeah. basically a side flip and uh yeah from there on we we wanted to try like doing capoeira stuff breakdance kung fu so i was always fascinated with with martial arts and and flips and um yeah i was tricking for a few years and back then i was like really really skinny skinny <laughs> weak unflexible so i had the best uh, uh, the worst it was worst for for tricking yeah. because you have to be fast you have to be flexible you have to jump high so uh, that's when I started to look into strength training okay. also because I was skinny and wanted to have like big muscles for the girls you know and um, yeah that's when I started uh, being interested in, in strength training and um, the good thing is I wasn't interested in bodybuilding I was interested in performance oh. so I wanted to know how to jump higher and so when I started training, I immediately started doing like squats and deadlifts and stuff like this. Um, but I was already like 18, 19 years old when I started for real with uh, with uh, strength training. So pretty late. I wish I would have started right when I started tricking. Um, because back then I was six foot three, 140 pounds. Oh, wow. So I was like just skin and bones. Yes. <laughs> My tricking technique are pretty good because I had to have good technique to land stuff. And um, back back in the day, everybody said Anis was skinny. But if you see him besides me, he was like a pretty built guy. Yeah, he's like one. I, I met him a few times. Least, yeah. yeah, I met him a few times. Luke Hicks camp in Germany. Um, FMS Luke Hicks camp. Yes. You talked about him with him. Um, FMS, no, the Luke Hicks Europe trip. Yes. I was also there. With uh, Jeremy Marinas, Chris Balualua, uh, Huai Lee, um, who was there? This was a great gathering because we were, we're like just like thirty people, so it was pretty small, <laughs> and in the in the great gym in Switzerland. Um, but anyway, that's that's how I started, um, and I remember I've been always been a fan of Bruce Lee, and I was always fascinated because he was like pretty skinny. So maybe that's why I liked him because he was not the, the biggest guy, but he was fast and and, and strong. And um, he also has a book about strength and conditioning, uh, the art of expressing the human body. It's yes. called, and and that's where that where that was where I first read about his training. And he always did weights and stuff. So um, yeah, the last years in school, I was not even paying attention. Was just. <laughs> Reading books under the table, <laughs> uh, le- uh, reading uh, muscle magazines and stuff under the table, just uh, trying to learn how to how to train, and um, yeah. Then for like a year or two, I was tricking and training at the same time, and that's where that's when I made huge progress. Because in the beginning, a backflip, standing backflip, was pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I barely landed it. And I always saw Joey Ego doing like multiple backflips. And that's what I wanted to do. Outside. Yeah. And when I started squatting and getting stronger, I could do it. So it was pretty, it was pretty nice. And I saw, yeah, this stuff works. 
And um, we got older, my team and I, and everybody started working, studying stuff. So we didn't really trick anymore. And in the end, it was like strength training four, five, six days a week and tricking once a week. Not with them, not with my old friends, but with the uh, new guys that weren't that good. So it wasn't that fun for me because I was more like a teacher. And uh, that's when I said, yeah, tricking changed also. That's what you talked about with Anis yes. in, in, in the podcast. And uh, it resonated with me because back then it was just about how many twists can you do. It doesn't matter how high you are, how clean you are, how 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 much style you had. And I didn't really like the development of tricking. So yeah, I stopped tricking. Yeah. And I said, hey, I'm strength training. I don't just want to do like bodybuilding. So I started powerlifting. Okay. So I had a performance aspect of it. And uh, naturally, I'm the worst powerlifter. I, I'm super tall. I have long levers. I'm skinny. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I knew that I wouldn't be the best in the world, but uh, I cr I got pretty strong from where I started. And um, that's also when I started studying sports science. Um, in the US, it's mostly exercise science. Okay. So exercise science is one aspect of sports science because there's also sports psychology and all the other fields. And uh, what I did was everything. And um, I specialized in exercise science. Um, so outside of studying for my own, I specialized in exercise science and training people. And um, while studying, I also started training people. And um, I interned in the Olympic Training Center here in Stuttgart. And I was there for, for over a year. And I uh, yeah had like the best athletes in Germany working with them. And uh, from there on, I, I started working uh, part-time at first and later full-time as a strength and conditioning coach, independent strength and conditioning coach. And at the moment, um, I'm training a Paralympic shot putter. Oh, He's wow. the world record holder. He just broke the world record two times in the last two weeks. Uh, Paralympics last year, he got bronze medal and uh, 2016 gold medal. So... Uh, He's like the, the the best athlete that I train at the moment, wow. and uh, yeah, everything like power, explosiveness, speed, strength is my forty. Uh, endurance, not so much, <laughs> because I'm not so interested in it. It's it's so funny that uh, how you explained early on in your career that you basically uh, started tricking, and then once you started uh, squatting, you realized the impact that it could have upon your explosiveness and your ability to jump. One of the most common things that I've seen on my podcast interviewing high-level athletes is how many of them say that they do not strength and condition as much as they probably should and how much they would like to. And so uh, hopefully some of this doesn't fall on deaf ears and they realize like, wow, like, you know, from someone like yourself, the importance of it and the increase that you could have in your overall athletic ability. Yeah. I think what people need to realize is that most athletes that are on your, on your podcast are like the elite of the elite. Yeah. And oftentimes I've seen it. I've seen really good track and field athletes. And when you see that training outside of track and field, what they do in a gym, you're just scratching your head thinking, what the fuck are they doing? And it's instead, no, it's um, in spite of the training, they are that good. It's not because of the training. Yeah. It's in spite of the training. You can you can even go on YouTube and uh, watch a few videos of uh, Usain Bolt doing, uh, doing power cleans in the weight room. His technique is trash. <laughs> the weights are low. 
but he would have been one of the fastest humans in the world regardless of his training whatever he would have done my training can be as perfect as possible i would never be anywhere near as fast as him without even training he would have been one of the fastest sprinters ever without really training so um oftentimes you can see and and learn from from the best of the best what they do but also you have to go back in time and see what have they done when they were a beginner when they were ma maybe my level yeah um that's also what i've seen uh, on the uh, podcast with anise when he said that he drilled hook kicks for one hour straight and only hook kicks yeah and then you see like crazy trickers nowadays they do like triple corks and and, and crazy stuff and then you see the hook kick <laughs> and yeah it's it's no wonder that when they never train it that it wouldn't be good it couldn't be good so um yeah most people probably should strength train and uh, it's not only the performance aspect a, a, a big aspect is injury prevention And we have, uh, I have data here. Wait, I can, I can, uh, where is it? Ah, you have like 50% reduction in overuse injuries. Wow. Just by strength training, regardless of what you do, if you uh, look at the research, and also like 50% just general injuries That's reduction crazy. in all sports. So this aspect alone should be enough to motivate you to go strength training because. It's not about making you a better athlete. It's about giving you the tools to train your sport better. Mm -hmm. So if you can jump higher, if you can move faster, and if you can recover faster and you can train longer, it also means that you can train your tricks better. Yes. You can train the tricks more often. You can train your tricks for more reps in one session. And the risk of injury is lower. So if you're injured, you can't train If you can't train, you're not getting better. And especially for you and other professionals, it's 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 you can't you can't injure yourself because then you can make money. Yeah, that's why I'm so excited on having you on here. And and I know we're going to touch on a bunch of different things to hopefully help some of our listeners in the community. But you know, just like I alluded to, how there's so many high level guests on this show that regret not strengthening conditioning as much as they should. I have to put myself in that same box where. Um, growing up, tricking, doing parkour, I was just out here flinging my body around. And now as a stunt performer and a professional in my, in my thirties, uh, I go to, I go to, um, physical therapy three times a week and we're doing strength and conditioning stuff I never did. And I feel like I can jump higher than ever. And I'm like, why did I not do this when I was younger, when I actually felt like I was in my prime mentally and physically, uh, I probably would have been exponentially better. And it's just such a big regret that I have. Yeah. I haven't tricked in like 10 years just here and there some flips but now i can do stuff that i never could land before just because i have more power i have more height, height. and that also gives me the confidence that i can land stuff so i'm not as scared anymore yeah, yeah. even though i'm 34 so i'm pretty old now for a tricker <laughs> for, for a tricker we're both ancient <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh. Uh, and so with that being said, man, like, you know, one of the reasons I, wanna, I wanted to have you on here is hopefully so we can, uh, you know, just provide some more information uh, to the community and stuff. Uh, what do you think is the most fundamental thing that 
trickers and maybe parkour athletes within our community should be focusing on as far as strength and conditioning is concerned and how often should they be adding it to their daily regimen? So on my podcast, the motto is always go big on the basics. Um, I know there's a lot of fancy stuff. If you go on social media, like fancy exercises and high impact uh, uh, jump training and stuff like this, but you always have to realize what are you already doing in your training and what aren't you doing in the training? So if you're doing free running, tricking, capoeira, I, I don't mean most of those sports, you are already jumping a lot. You are already having a lot of impacts from landing. So maybe go and do stuff that you're not doing in a training, okay. like heavy, slow strength training, for example. This is the basic of everything. So you don't even have to have a great training plan. Just pick a few exercises that train a lot of muscles at once or a lot of um, joints at once and just do them for a few reps, a few sets per workout and be consistent. So if you can do like one or two training sessions, uh, strength training sessions uh, per week and do them for a long, long, long time, it's all, always better than having a fancy five, six day plan and uh, all the special exercises. And in the end, it's too much. And after two weeks, you, ca you can't do it anymore. So pick a squat variation, pick a push variation, a pull variation for the upper body. That is the basic of everything for the beginning. So maybe just do like three sets of squats, um, do some bench presses, some rows, or do some military press and, and chin-ups, stuff like this for the, for the beginning. And in the beginning, especially if you haven't done strength training, you will have a lot of performance benefit just from basic strength training. There's like, um, if you're going to do research, um, um, you can see a performance benefit, incre performance increase until you go like two-time bodyweight squat on a deep squat. Okay. So if you're like 150 pounds, until you can do 300 pound deep squat, you don't even have to think about all the special stuff as long as you do your sport on the side. Okay. So if you're just strength training and doing nothing else, you probably won't jump a lot higher. You won't sprint a lot faster. But if you are already tricking or, or free running, whatever, a few days a week, and you just do strength training on the side, all the strength that you gain, you will already be... Um, able to use it in your sport okay. that's wild man and then like just you know one common question i'm sure a lot of kids are going to have is uh based on what you just said do they necessarily have to have access to a gym or is there like an alternative way uh, or do you think that they need at least to have access to like a basic squat rack or you know a smith machine or something like that the thing is your legs are pretty strong and your own body weight gets pretty light for your legs pretty fast so you can do a few weeks of strength training and do single leg squats and pistol squats okay. but if you can yeah, do like 10 15 20 reps easily then it's just too light so you won't get stronger you need the high resistance to get stronger um maybe you could do like isometric training and and trying to push against something that doesn't move stuff like this but a basic barbell is enough and uh, you can do some kind of deadlift or squat variation. Um, but usually everybody has access to a gym. Like yeah. you, you pay a few, few dollars, a few euros a month and you can go into a gym 
and uh, have a squad rack and weights and uh, can do everything you need. And now along the lines when, uh, let's say, some of our community and audience starts getting into strength training and they start to see an increase in their overall, let's say, uh, muscle mass and body mass, uh, is there any like level of flexibility or mobility training they should be doing at the same time to not inhibit the way that their body will move with their newfound muscle and mass? The good thing is um, it's a myth that you get unflexible from strength training. In the 80s and 90s, everybody was saying, yeah, you can't do just strength training because you will get slow and, and uh, unflexible. But it's just not true. And the research we actually see that, see that you can get more flexible by doing strength training. So as long as you do full range of motion training, it's, you don't have to be scared about getting unflexible. Um, there is stuff like, for example, stiff leg deadlift or Romanian deadlifts where you don't really bend your knees. There, you're going into end range of motion for your for your hamstrings for example and so you get stronger in this end range of motion and you get more flexible by going in this end range of motion and a lot of triggers don't even stretch that much they probably <laughs> should also stretch more and uh, you could combine it so you could do like deep squats and um, Romanian deadlifts to get more flexible in the hips and uh, hamstrings for example and uh, maybe do um, weighted stretching for uh, side splits for example you will also get stronger in this end range of motion. Okay. And now, obviously, uh, we're, we're stressing the importance of adding strength and conditioning to uh, you know, a weekly routine for, for people that are within our sports. Uh, how important is nutrition and recovery? And wh what, what do you think that they should focus on when it comes to that? Nutrition is obviously pretty important. Uh, for, for recovery, for recovery there's, the most important is sleep. It's always number one. You don't need a fancy um, cryotherapy chamber and uh, a massage gun and stuff like that if you, do, if you don't sleep. So if you always stay up late and watch Netflix um, or play video games and sleep four or five hours a, day, uh, a night, then just get to bed earlier and sleep. This is the most important. Now that I'm older, <laughs> one night of bad sleep, I feel it so much more than when I was younger. So... Uh, Really, just go to bed earlier and sleep longer. That's the number one for um, recovery. Number two is nutrition. So you have to get adequate nutrition, like enough calories. If you're always in a deficit and losing body weight, your body won't be able to recover as fast. And in those calories, you need proteins. This is the building blocks of muscle. You damage muscle when you do sports, when you do activities. You need to rebuild them, especially when you do strength training, you need uh, maybe a bit more protein so your body has everything it needs to build that muscle, muscle. And um, it's for the English speakers, it's one, one uh, pound, no. It's one gram per pound of your one weight? One gram per pound of body weight, yeah. Okay. That's like the end goal. If you, if you get one gram per pound of body weight, then you are like, um, in the optimal range for protein. More isn't really better. It doesn't uh, help to build more muscle and you probably should eat more. the rest in calories in more like carbohydrates because it's what your body prefers as fuel for, uh, for movement, for activity, for high energy, explosive energy um, activities. So um, yeah, it's always just the basics. You don't most of the fancy stuff is just extreme and just go with the the middle of the road basic stuff and you are in the clear usually
Okay. Now, I know you uh, mentioned it earlier on how just strength and conditioning alone can add almost like a 50% uh, decrease in your risk of injury, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I would say in tricking and parkour, one of the most common injuries that people in our sport um, fall victim to is most likely like knee issues, uh, commonly around ACL injuries, or let's just say knee ligament injuries in general. Is there any specific exercise that people can do uh, to target that and try to really focus in on building up stuff around those ligaments? Again, it's just building muscle around, around the joint and getting strong. Um, the thing is, you can train as, as good as you want and do injury prevention exercises if they even exist and work. It's unlikely that you can do special exercises and uh, don't injure your knee because of this in, uh, exercise. Um, because sometimes you ju just have a, a really, really bad landing and so high forces that you can't hold them and then your knee just bends in a way it shouldn't bend and yeah, you tear an ACL, PCL, whatever. Um, but usually just being stronger is, is the way to go. And if you have a bad crash, you probably have a bad crash and you can't do anything. But overuse injuries, for example, jumper's knee mm -hmm. yes. is a big thing. There you can do training and you can prevent jumper's knee. You can come back from jumper's knee, but it's a long, long process usually. Um, that's um, that you need to train the tendon and prepare the tendon for the high forces that are uh, being displayed in your sport. So, uh, yeah, someone like Dom Tomato, <laughs> who does like crazy, crazy <laughs> drops. The forces on his body are just crazy. Yes. If I would be his trainer, his coach, I wouldn't say, hey, do more death jumps and death drops. You already do this stuff so much in your training when you do parkour. So I wouldn't do it more. I would do basic strength training to prepare his body to handle the high impacts a bit better. Okay. And now I know uh, a lot of our audience tends to be on the younger side, especially as you know, some of the greatest trickers in the world right now are, you know, teenagers like Shosei Iwamoto and Zen Kajihara yeah. and them. Um, there used to be a myth back in the days, I don't know if it's true or not, that, uh, you know, lifting weights as a youth can stunt your growth or have negative effects. At what age do you think people should start implementing strength and conditioning into it? And is there any, you know, negative effect on starting it too young? It's pretty easy. It's a big myth. And if you take a kid and put a barbell on his back, for example, you don't even need a barbell in the beginning. Just give him some weight. The weight will be pretty low in com compared to his body. And then you see him, for example, tumbling, doing a round off. The forces on his body are so much higher than he can um, he can put on his body in the gym. Um, there's research about uh, gymnasts, female gymnasts, and they have like 12 times body weight when they do round offs on their ankles. So you can try to get 12 times body weight on your ankles in the gym. It won't be possible. You won't be able to do it. So... The forces in, in, in tricking, in, in free running, in, in most sports, even football and soccer, are so much higher than what we can do in the, in the weight room. And um, you don't have to be scared that you will be shorter by doing uh, weight training when you're younger. The weights are so low compared to what you do in your sport that nothing will happen. Nothing bad will happen. On the opposite, when you're younger, when you're a teenager, your body can do so much more adaption than when you're older. So it's the best time for strength training. 
annual profits, you will have so much more gains and it will be later easier to hold your gains by if you have trained longer. So if you trained for six weeks and you got stronger and you stopped training, you will lose everything immediately. If you have trained for like five years, you can stop training for half a year and you will not lose most of it. So you will, you will keep most of it. So yeah, my big regret is that I didn't start strength training when I started tricking or even earlier because for me it would have made such a difference because I was pretty weak I was skinny I had no muscle mass and I was slow there are the people that are not skinny and slow and weak and they can do a lot more in the beginning already but even they will pro uh, will have a, a big benefit by strength training okay Now, along the lines of, uh, you know, being young, I know one of the things that I can attest to myself personally is when I was super young, I was able to do two sessions a day and not even get sore or feel anything like that. Um, just in general, I guess, especially when people start to implement strength and conditioning into their routine, um, what do you think about rest days? Is there like a certain number of rest days in between strength and conditioning people should take or just uh, overall, like what is your view on rest days comparative to the mindset of people that say like, you know, train every day, no days off, you know? Yeah, it's um, it's a bit difficult to answer because, um, for example, if you want to build muscle, it's probably better to train twice a week than once a week. Okay. And it's probably even better to train three times a week, but there the difference is not that big to two times a week. If you want to just um, keep your muscle mass and your strength, then once a week is fine. And you don't need to do much in your gym session. The big problem, the, the biggest problem with uh, strength training and, for example, tricking is when do you do your strength training in the week and when do you do your tricking sessions? And there you should maybe think about doing what almost all other athletes are doing. They have like different seasons in their year in their uh, competitive year. So they have like a preparation phase. Then they have like um, a competition phase, then they have another preparation phase and the, the, the focus of their training shifts. So, for example, now uh, it's uh, becoming summer here in, in Germany. The weather is good, so I'll probably trick more often than in the winter because I can trick outside. So my strength training will go down to once or twice a week. In the winter, when I can only trick once or twice per week, I will do more strength training and use it as a building phase to prepare for the next summer, for example. And then you have to also consider what is my goal. And as a tricker, your goal should always be to have um, full recovery on the tricking days so that you can go into your training session fully recovered and perform the best you can and train the best you can. So if you have tricking on Tuesday, for example, It's probably not a good idea to have a heavy leg day on Monday because on Tuesday your legs will be sore, you will be slower, you will be weaker and you won't, won't be able to train tricking as good. So yeah, probably do it on the next day. Your strength training, if you are a bit sore or not as fit because of your tricking training from the day before, doesn't really matter. You can still put in the proper work and um, get some benefit from it. So that's the, the, the most difficult thing. When are you doing what? And uh, probably sometimes it's a good idea to say, okay, tricking is not my main focus now. And I will do like two months, for example, where strength training and just getting 
stronger, getting faster is my focus. And if a tricking session isn't that good because I'm a bit sore, it's not a problem. Yeah, the seasonality approach to it is very unique within our sports because we're kind of like a, unless you live in, like you said, a, a place based on weather like Europe where you maybe can't do parkour outside during the winter months. Um, every yeah. other sport, like you said, is very much dictated by an off season and a preseason and a season. And in ours, it's yeah. not. And so we just kind of thrash our bodies. So that's a really, yeah. really cool approach to it that hopefully some, some more people will, will take into account and, and think about. Um, with that being said, um, as far as like seasonality is concerned, um, or, or more so, I guess, recovery is concerned that we're talking about, is there a level of soreness where you should push through it or is soreness an indicator that you need to continue to take more days off? It's pretty hard to say okay. um, because being a bit sore, a bit stiff, and, and when you warm up, you feel good and it's probably fine. But if you are so sore that you almost can't get out of bed in the morning because you're just trashed then maybe take a day off or maybe two days off um probably most times just getting some light movement in is good and um oftentimes you can do di different stuff so that's what uh, uh dominic hughes said if his legs are bad he can do bar stuff with the upper body so in tricking it's a bit harder because if your legs are done you probably can't really trick anymore because most stuff is on your legs. Um, I would say if you keep getting sore all the time, then maybe you're doing too much or you're not recovering enough because usually if you are training consistently and not going crazy all the time, then your body adapts and you won't get sore that much. I remember last year when I started tricking again, one tricking session with a few flips, I was sore. I was crazy sore. My my abs were sore from backflips. My traps were sore from swinging my arms up. And for the first three weeks after every tricking session, because I was only tricking once per week, I had no other uh, gym access, I was always sore like crazy. Now I can do like a pretty, prick, a pretty big tricking session and I'll feel it the next day a little bit. If I'm doing a lot of twisting, I feel a little bit of my in my abs, but but that's it. So you just have to consistently progress step by step and not doing too much um, right away. And maybe also for people who are now thinking about starting strength training, as um, besides their free running, tricking, whatever, don't go all out in the beginning. Just do one or two sessions in the beginning, a little bit of work, not too much, not too heavy, and just get into it and keep going and then progress over time and don't go in like crazy the first training session and, and be destroyed for the next uh, three days and think, yeah, I can't train like that anymore because I can't trick anymore. So I'm not going to do it. It's too much. So you have to progress slowly and over time it's, it's not a merit. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Hell yes. Now this is super, super good advice. I hope it's not falling on deaf ears. Now um, there were two specific episodes on your podcast that I just wanted to touch on briefly right now, just so I could uh, maybe get like a synopsis of what the episode was about. Cause clearly I didn't yeah. understand it. Um, I'm going to ask this first one because I feel like it's a huge trend within our sport right now. I what know is what your, you're going to say. What is your take on knees over toes guy? I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't want to be a hater. Okay. I don't want to be a hater, but it's overly simplistic, most of the stuff. 
it's actually not backed by research, most of the stuff. And it's a big marketing scheme. And a lot of people are falling for it. A lot of stuff is good. He's telling people to start slowly and regress and progress um, how they can. So if, for example, a full pistol squat doesn't work, then do like just half a pistol squat or just a, a step down, stuff like this. But on the other side, he doesn't discern between different kinds of knee pain, for example. And the knee is pretty complex and there are a lot of sources for pain and for some kinds of um, injuries, for example, a lot of the stuff that he does is the complete opposite of what it should do. It will make it worse. For other kinds of knee pain or injuries, it can work pretty good. And then my problem as a performance coach is that if you look just at his programs that he sells, I looked at all three of them, maybe you can do it in the beginning and you can get some benefit of it uh, from it. But then the next step is completely missing. So it's um, not the resistance is missing. Um, and a lot of the stuff, because uh, some of his um, explanations are, it looks like the movement that I'm doing in a sport. And I'm doing it now in a gym. So it must be good. And it must transfer to the movement that I'm doing in, a, in, in my sport. But... If you look at um, transfer and specific training or specific specificity of training for sports, then it's pretty, pretty complex. And just looking like the movement is the least important of it. It's important how fast is the movement, for example. So if you're sprinting and if you're pushing a really heavy sled and going really, really slow, the speed is completely different. So you won't have a one-to-one -one transfer from the really, really slow one to the fast one. But then you can also look at the muscles that are working, in what range of motion are they working, and in in what um, part of the range of motion is the highest force application, for example. How is the intent? Are you trying to move it as fast as possible, or are you going slow? If you are trying to go slow, but you want to be fast in the end, it's probably not the best idea. It can be a good idea if you're doing rehab, for example. Um, and then a lot of the stuff is just if you look at the muscle fibers, for example, how are they adapting to this kind of um, exercises that you are doing? Um, the kind of... Um, I'm missing the word now. Uh, let me see, let me see. <laughs> I have my text here. Um... Uh, I'm missing your word, sorry. Um, so you are doing something and your body is adapting to the specific kind of thing that you're doing. And you can you can have your body adapt in one way or the other way. And by doing some stuff that he pro uh, promotes, you will um, adapt in a way that is probably not beneficial for doing fast movements. Yeah, You can have, for example, your penation angle of the muscle fibers in your in your muscle bellies most muscle muscles that are shaped like this, for example, they don't go like this with the muscle fibers. They are like this. You have like, like a tendon-like structure in the middle and muscle fibers like here. And the penation angle is how angled are they? So if the penation angle is going like this, the muscle will contract slower in this direction. 
if the panation angle is more like this, it will contract faster in this direction. And this is, for example, a problem if you're doing just typical bodybuilding training for a high-level athlete, the panation angle will go in this direction. So it's probably for a sprinter not the best to train bodybuilding style all year round. But added muscle mass can be beneficial. So you see, it's not that simple to just say this kind of training is perfect, this kind of training is bad if you go on a, a sprint fast, for example. You always have to look at the long-term adaptions and um, what kind of training are doing now, what are you doing later, and um, what is happening over the long, long time. The good thing is, as a beginner, you don't have to worry about this stuff. As I said in the beginning, until you get like two-time bodyweight squat, you don't really don't have to worry as long as you do your sport, as long as you're doing tricking, free running, whatever, and you are jumping and running and kicking and stuff like this, you are training your body to become faster. So you have this um, input that you're giving your body to adapt in this direction and your strength training is just on top and um, later, maybe if you are a super well-trained athlete, for example, Clarence Kennedy is a, is a good example. You know Clarence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clarence O on Instagram. Um, he used to be a tricky and free runner he was always super fast and super explosive and flexible also because he trained splits and stuff. And he started weightlifting and he became strong so, so, so fast. And now he is still explosive and still fast. But if he, want, if he would train, especially for vertical jumping, for example, his training should probably be a bit different from what he's doing now. But he's training just for weightlifting. Totally. So there will be a bit of a different uh, training style. But um, even now, if he gets stronger, he probably will still jump higher if he keeps jumping um, while he's strength training. Totally. Yeah, that's very yeah. interesting. I, was, I wasn't too aware of the way that the structure of the muscles can change based on, obviously, the way that you This train. is just a small part. Yeah. Um, a big uh, other part, for example, is a neuromuscular, neuromuscular, the connection from the brain to yeah. your muscles. So... Um, how your brain sends the nerve signals, the action potentials down to your muscles. And for example, by training deliberately slow, the action potentials will transfer slow and you won't even um, incorporate or activate, it's better, better word, activate the high threshold motor units. That's what I called. So motor units are what are innervating the muscle fibers. So high threshold motor units are Big, fast, and strong, usually. And by going slow, deliberately slow in the gym, you don't even activate them because the action potentials are too slow and not strong enough. So that's also why probably a 15-rep set of bicep curls isn't the best to get really, really strong biceps or uh, 15 reps um, of uh, leg extensions and leg curls. Three or five reps of heavy, heavy squat with max intent and moving as fast as possible, even though the weight is heavy and you are moving slow, but you are trying to move the weight as fast as possible, will activate all those high threshold motor units, which are pretty, pretty important if you want to be fast and strong and explosive. And that's just another small part. So usually on Instagram, everything is pretty simple. And usually if it sounds too good to be true, um, I would be... Uh, uh, a bit skeptical, usually. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we discussed that. Um, yeah. 
one of the other things that I think is very prevalent in our community, uh, and even I utilize it myself, so it's something I want to ask you about, was uh, what is your take on, I know you had a very specific episode talking about uh, CBD and its use for athletes. Yeah, I actually had um, a colleague of mine, he's a researcher, a biochemist and sports scientist, um, and he uh, did the last big research project here in Germany about CBD for the... Um, for the NADA, so the, the German water. Um, and it's a pre it's pretty much a mixed bag with a CBD. The biggest problem is the products aren't just CBD. And the amount of CBD that's in them is also not, usually not the amount that's, that's written on the bottle. So oftentimes you don't really know what you are really consuming. And um, if you are a tested athlete, so all Olympic athletes and um, other athletes that are tested, you should be, um, yeah, you should, probably shouldn't use CBD products because oftentimes CBD is just one, um, one of the uh, cannabinoids that is in wheat, for example, and there are like over a hundred different other types. And, only CBD is allowed and all the other stuff is not allowed. So um, usually my take on stuff like this is as a tethered athlete, you don't take it. You don't want to risk it to take it and test positive for something. Um, if you are not a tethered athlete and you tried it and you f think it benefits you, then it's probably okay because even if it's placebo, placebo works it's the same with uh, with the massage gun, foam rolling, cryotherapy, all this stuff. They are doing something, something, but oftentimes it's only how you perceive your body, how you perceive your recovery, how you perceive your pain and stuff like this. If it helps you, I have no problem with it, with it as long as it doesn't really hurt you. So I usually say if it's cheap, if it has no... Um, 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 if it can't hurt you or um, be problematic and you feel good doing it, then do it. But if it's like super expensive and the research says that it can hurt you or it can be problematic, like for example, cryotherapy, ice bath and stuff like this, in the short term you can feel good. But for example, if you do ice bath after every workout, you will suppress the um, the adaption response because um, you have um, an inflammation response in your body after you train after you work out and the in the inflammation is a part of the recovery process and if you stop the inflammation all the time your body doesn't adapt so in the off season maybe no ice bath but for example if you have um, uh, shoots every day for a week. And you have to be ready the next day and feel good and feel fresh. And an ice bath after the shoot in the evening helps you feel better on the next day. Then you can do it because you don't care about adaption in the short term. So um, go with your feeling as long as you know it, it can't hurt you, I would say. Hell yeah. Super, super invaluable info, man. I'm like so glad that we were able to have this brief conversation just to kind of like at least hopefully stir some... Uh, <laughs> initial like 
uh, initial like thoughts for people to add strength and conditioning to their actual you know routines and the, the impact they could have upon them you know if, if yeah. some of our listeners and audience are, are interested in doing so obviously I know your podcast is in German but uh, what suggestions would you have for them on, on getting started on this journey uh, what do you think are there, are there any other resources available to them uh, that are highly accessible and easily accessible for them to start their journey or what advice would you have for someone that just wants to I guess start from a fundamental level and adding this to their routine um, I would say because it's always pretty hard to discern information. That's what I did in the beginning. I had problems. One guy on the internet said A, the other guy said the complete different thing and how could both be true? Um, so maybe try to find people that are not telling you, you it is like this. They are um, more like it depends sometimes or they... they um, They explain why and don't just say it is like this because I say that, say that it is. Um, and just broaden your perspective. So have a lot of sources, not just knees over toes guy, for example, yeah, and do just what he says. Um, see what other people are doing. Um, I would say for just basic strength training stuff, there's uh, Renaissance Parization. It's a pretty good source. It's pretty much bodybuilding and powerlifting but as I said in the beginning it's it's fine um, don't be concerned with exercise technique too much and and watch 50,000 tutorials on, on uh, squat technique and try to perfect every little detail because everybody's different everybody will move differently and um, as long as the basics are fine then the rest will be fine also and for squatting for example um, a big thing For example, I don't know, do you know Squad University? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, he's one of um, the people I would be a bit skeptical about because he makes a lot of claims about stuff that are just not true in, this, in the sense that he uh, says it. And um, a lot of stuff that he propagates is making people more fearful of doing something wrong instead of motivating them. Just, just go out and just move. Yeah, so... Um, Squatting, for example, he always says the barbell stays over your midfoot. It's not true because the center of mass combined of your body and the barbell will stay over your midfoot. So if the barbell is pretty light, it will move forward. The higher in weight you go, the more it will move over the midfoot. So just taking an empty barbell and uh, filming you from the side and uh, seeing that the bar moves forward is no problem. Yeah, so just put a barbell on your back. Try to keep your torso pretty stiff and go as deep as you can without rounding your back extremely. Having a little bit of movement in the lower back and the hips is completely fine. But if you look like a shitting dog when you go down in the squat or in the deadlift, then it's probably a bit too deep. And um, stands, oops, uh, stance width, for example, can also depend on how tall you are, how long your legs are and stuff like this, how you feel comfortable. Um, your knees should probably go a bit in the direction of your toes, not completely in the other directions. And um, yeah, the rest is pretty automatic. And most people that are doing tricking, free running, stuff like this have, have a pretty good feeling about their body. So um, they can feel if something feels weird or, or wrong. So yeah, just... Keep your torso stiff and go as deep as you can without bending over like crazy 
and just put some weight on and, and train this for a few weeks and see where you get, um, how far you can get. And um, yeah, most other stuff is will be fine. Just start and do something. And if you're super scared of doing something wrong, just go in the leg press. It's no problem. In the beginning, we just want to get your muscles stronger, your muscles bigger, and the leg press is also fine. Um, before you stop doing anything because you're scared to do a squat wrong, a deadlift wrong, just do leg press and uh, do your tricking. Okay. And so that's great advice for people that want to start the journey. Uh, for some people that may already have been implementing into their routine, uh, what benefit will it have on extending the longevity of your participation in these sports of tricking and in parkour and free running do you think strength and conditioning will allow athletes to increase the length and the duration of their career within these sports and on a personal note do you think that you'll be able to trick for significantly longer now that you have you know added this to your your daily lifestyle yeah absolutely um you will make your body more resilient more robust so your tricking training um, just imagine you are super weak and you start tricking, you have landings, you have jumps and everything is 100% for you. Every jump you have to do is 100% because you are just so weak. So if you want to do a backflip, standing backflip, you have to go 100% just to land it. So everything is really hard. Every impact will be hard because your body weight will be uh, traveling from a diff uh, specific height and landing and your muscles have to stop the movement. If your muscles can stop it, something else will. So either you go all the way to the end range of motion of your joints or um, ligaments, uh, tendons, uh, all the stuff will take the impact more. So the stronger and the faster, the more athletic we can say you get, the easier it will be on your body. And um, there are lots of examples of people who have never touched a weight um, and are good trickers, free runners, good athletes all around. Um, maybe they're lucky. I I saw um, his name is Archie Arian. Yeah, I think Archie it's his Arian. name. Yeah, yeah. A few weeks ago in his Instagram story, he uh, posted a deadlift video where he tried uh, a deadlift max out for the first time ever, and he deadlifted 170 kilos. I think it's 370 yeah. pounds. Yeah, I think so. Probably. Yeah, something like this, which is pretty strong for <laughs> for first try. Yeah, it's really strong. Uh, and I asked him how heavy he is. He's 80 kilograms. It's uh, 180, 185 pounds, uh, something like this. So respectable. A lot of people have to train a long time to get uh, to this weight at his body weight. So you see also your training that you're doing already, all those impacts, all those yes. jumps, those high effort movements, they are also making you stronger up to a certain point. And... Um, also, James West, I saw uh, last time in the story, uh, he did a trapper deadlift of uh, almost 500 pounds. Yes. He's a strong guy. Totally, yeah. But he, he has to be strong. He is pretty tall, I guess. He is heavier than most other guys. So he needs the strength to move his body because his body is heavier. Someone like Jose, who is pretty small, pretty short, pretty light, it's easier for him. It's comparing an elephant to an ant, you know? <laughs> so... Uh, the, I would also say that the taller and the heavier you are, the more you will benefit from strength training. Okay. Yeah, because um, physics is just physics, and uh, how much uh, force your muscle can produce is dependent on the um, um, what's it called, uh, the circumference. Mm. So um, 
Now the area of the um, if you if you take a muscle for uh, your leg for example and you cut it in half, the area. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it's called area, right? Yeah, I think so. The how, area, or you mean the distance around the di the? I guess no, yes. not the diameter, the, the area. How? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the area of your muscle. How big uh, this area is okay. is tell is, is saying how how much force it can generate. So a oh, bigger muscle okay. will be able to produce more force. Yes. Yeah. But the bigger the muscle gets, the bigger it gets in every direction. And your weight is dependent about the, um, from the volume. So the taller you get, the bigger your muscles get, but your volume also increases mm -hmm. exponentially. So you get even heavier compared to your to, to the area of your muscles. Okay. So that's why usually someone shorter and smaller and lighter will be relatively stronger for his body weight than someone taller and heavier. Uh, makes sense. And that's also why usually gymnasts are pretty short. And why, for example, long jumpers are tall but yeah. skinny. So they have less weight, but they jump from a higher point. And um, that's why, for example, um, a super short, small uh, weightlifter will be able to uh, clean and jerk three times his body weight. Totally. But the super, he super heavyweights don't even do two times their body weight. Yeah. yeah. So that's also a reason why probably the taller and uh, heavier you get, the more strength training Will benefit you and um do you know this guy nico from i think i think from from finland he's the tallest triple corker oh 17 yeah, years yeah, old yeah yeah he is very tall oh. yeah he looks tall one meter 97 i don't yeah. know what it's i think six foot five yeah something so. like this six foot six he's also strength training and uh for him it's a pretty good idea to do it because um he will benefit a lot from it uh which doesn't mean that shorter people don't benefit but it's even more important the taller and the heavier you get. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I know one of the other people that I, I really saw putting emphasis on strength and conditioning in the last uh, year was uh, Lilu uh, Ruel, who's a female free runner uh, and actually the okay. first female to jump man uh, from France. Gap. Yeah, and she just yeah yeah I saw her videos. Yeah, yeah, she just jumped the legendary manpower gap, and she was like the first yeah. female to do so. And she just put out a really cool video last week showing her basically like one-year journey doing strength and conditioning to build her body up in order to take the impact. And I thought that was a really uh, okay. cool take on it. I have to check that one out. I just saw a story post from her where, where, she, was, where she was doing overcoming um, uh, isometrics mm -hmm. where you push against the weight that is not moving. Yes. So you can, you can train joint angle specific, but as I said in the beginning, stick with the basics in the beginning and do this more fancy advanced stuff when you are actually advanced. And um, she is probably already pretty strong. And as far as I, I can tell, she has a coach also who is coaching her for strength and conditioning. So she probably knows knows what she's doing. Um, but if you're a complete beginner, don't do um, special jump training and, and uh, joint angle specific isometrics and joint angle specific uh, squats variations and stuff. Do your squats as deep as you can. Just get stronger, build muscle and uh, worry about the other stuff. Uh, later and there's there's a great ana analogy for it uh, the bucket and the rocks so you have a bucket this is for example your potential as an athlete and you have big rocks and you have smaller rocks and you have pebbles and you have sand and the big rocks are the basics your basic strength training your sport you know the biggest rock is your sport then 
you have your basic strength training, your nutrition, your sleep. This is the basics of your strength and conditioning and recovery stuff. And then you have smaller rocks. For example, form rolling. Um, you have specific nutrition uh, plans, for example, uh, diets, diets, specific diets like I don't care about vegan, keto, whatever, intermittent fasting, whatever works for you. Nothing is inherently better than the other types. It depends on how you can work with yourself the best. So if you are not hungry in the morning, probably intermittent fasting can work great for you. But if you are super hungry in the morning, you don't have to force yourself to do intermittent fasting. Or for example, your schedule doesn't allow to eat later, for example, then it's probably not a good idea. So work with what you have and 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 do it the easiest way possible to have it sustainable for a long time and be consistent. And then in the end, you have the small pebbles and you have the sand, which is super specific supplementation, uh, uh, recovery techniques and stuff, which could maybe work, but it's not making a big difference. And you want to fill your bucket as much as you can. So if you start from the beginning with a super fancy, high-level advanced stuff and you just pour the sand and pebbles in, you will be all only in the bottom. If you put the big rocks in in the beginning, the thing is pretty full and then the little holes can be filled with the pebbles and the sand. So that's why I always start with the basics. It's pretty easy. It's pretty lame. It's not fancy. It's, it isn't uh, easy to sell. That's why nobody does it really on Instagram and, and TikTok and stuff. The, the fancy stuff that nobody has ever seen and the new supplements is always fancy and it's always easier to sell. That's why they do it. Yeah. Um, but the basics are always the most important. That's what they call the basics. So start with the basics and then later you can worry about little cracks and little techniques and uh, what you can improve upon your basics, upon your uh, sustainable, consistent training, recovery, nutrition, everything, uh, routine that you have found for you that works and then you can improve on top of it. Hell yeah. Now, this has been a super, super invaluable podcast. I wish we could have done this earlier on in the Jamcast history um, so that maybe some early listeners would have ad adopted some of these techniques and, and thought about strength and conditioning way earlier on into uh, you know our lifeline here as a podcast. Um, so, man, I, I really appreciate all this. Some of this has been a uh, review of knowledge. Some of this has been new knowledge. And, and more than anything, it's just like uh, it's a good thing to open our eyes to because obviously I see the benefits and the impact it can have on athletes. And obviously with the uh, the viewer base and the audience that we have, hopefully this doesn't fall on deaf ears so that people actually you know take it to heart and see the benefits themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually looked around the Internet for information specific to free running and tricking and stuff like this. And I haven't really found a lot and I haven't really found good information. Yeah. And it's it's the same as back in the day. Do you remember titanium ankles? Yes, people still yeah. reference that video all the time on here. <laughs> yeah, I remember this, I, I did it. And um, maybe it felt good for a while, but the problem was those high impacts that you have in tricking, you don't really pre prepare yourself by doing just movements like this with your with your ankles yeah. and the same with uh air alert do you yes. remember this one i used to do air alert myself and the jump program. yeah guaranteed to dump yeah. and stuff <laughs> yeah uh and they they marketed a jump soles back yes, then do you I remember those, those? Two to strap on your shoes <laughs> <laughs> yeah for people that don't know that are a bit younger it was just you had your feet your shoes like this and you had jump soles you put like a form block a rubber block 
um, on the on the ball's foot. So your your heel never touched the ground. So it's always like you're almost like you're jumping all the time. And um, but the big problem with air alert, for example, it was a jump training program back in the day. Um, you had lots and lots and lots and you had hundreds of jumps per training session. Yes. But the problem was it was sub maximal, and the the big thing was with increasing your jumping height is you have to jump as high as you can in training also. Mm -hmm. So it's quality over quantity. Yeah. I much prefer you do like five sets of three jumps, full power with full recovery in between and uh, between the sets a few minutes of rest instead of doing like uh, 10 times 20 yeah. jumps and your fifth jump in your set is already uh, lower than the first jump and your, your, your jump height decreases all the time because it, then you don't train what you want to train. You want to train the maximal jump and the maximum effort and you don't need um, fatigue yeah. in this kind of training. And it's the same with tricking. I see nowadays some people, I know one, one person uh, <laughs> uh, from here, sometimes he's doing, he's drilling tricks and he, he, does, he does it one time. He stands up another time. He does like 10 reps. He rests a minute And then he goes like <laughs> 10 reps again, 10 reps again, 10 reps again. And his power is going down. His fatigue is going up. So his training quality is going down. And I always tell him, hey, maybe rest some more, do, f do fewer reps, yeah. but increase the quality because then you will perform better, um, especially with um, a sport like tricking and free running, stuff like this, where coordination is so important because with fatigue, your coordination worsens. So you want to train perf as perfect as possible all the time so old school style of training session uh, session like where you have like 10 people and one guy goes on the floor does his combo then the next guy goes on then the next guy goes on you go uh, in the circle like this you always have the rest um, while the other guys are doing their stuff until you can go again um, this works pretty well ah, instead of okay. going like 10 times without rest and then just resting for a minute and then going again like 10 or 15 times because we'll fatigue way too much. Totally, man. No, that's good to know that the, uh, the old school session uh, circle actually is beneficial on getting those rest in between. Sets. Yeah, <laughs> but the biggest problem was uh, uh, on, on my part, I only did like one one thing and then I did another thing. I didn't really train anything <laughs> like Anise did back in the day, just yeah. hook kick for, for one training session. I did like everything that I could do and then I went home. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so on a personal note, man, um, where do you personally see yourself five years from now? And where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And I guess that could be career wise or just like overall, uh, you know, fitness and strength wise as well. Um, I really, really like tricking again. Um, so I, I hope I, I can continue tricking for a long time. Um, back in the day, back in school, me and my friend, we always said, I, I can't imagine stopping tricking Yeah. anytime so i i always thought i would be tricking my whole life but then i got bored of it now i'm back and i really want to want to get better again and, and trick a long time um professionally i see myself still training athletes um hopefully having a few more world records world champions olympic and paralympic champions um that i can that i can help um and hopefully can impact more people And uh, just just um, make people aware of what the evidence 
really says about training performance stuff like this and and make people open their eyes and not get uh yeah get uh duped by all the marketing hype um because social media is pretty bad in this uh in this regard um yeah and uh as long as i'm happy 10 years from now uh i'm happy so uh, i don't really really have a plan what's going to happen i i take every day uh, how it goes and uh how it comes and um uh, just uh, try to do my best. Hell yeah, man. Well, I really appreciate you making the time to come on here and, and sharing your, your wealth of knowledge. I know that we probably only touched on the surface of so many topics you could delve into at greater length like you have on your podcast, but I hope it starts to, you know, just ignite a little spark of interest within some of our audience so they can start their own personal journey. And uh, yeah, more than anything, hopefully, um, you know, we can make this uh, not the first, the first or last time you're on here. Hopefully it'll spur some questions within our community and we can have you back on in the future to uh, talk more at length at some, some topics that people are interested in yeah i would love to um if people have specific topics specific questions um where i could even prepare myself a little bit more so that the the language is not that much of a problem um yeah i would, would be happy to uh, to come back on your podcast and uh talk about the stuff i love it so i love talking about it Hell yes, man. Well, first of all, the language barrier, you're absolutely incredibly well-spoken for, uh, for being worried about your English. <laughs> no misunderstandings <laughs> yeah. or miscommunications at all. Um, and yeah. With, and it's with that it's too, just, I never speak English, so it's sometimes harder to find the words. Yes. My understanding is perfect. All the research, all the books, everything is in English. So um, I have not watched German television for 15 years. Okay. I watch everything in English, my phone, my computer, everything is in English. So English is like, yeah. it's like my, my third language, I would say. It is my third, langu th third language, but I even speak it better than French. So wow. um, it's just the speaking part that yes. I need to practice it more, maybe. <laughs> no, man, came across super clear. And, and yeah, like I said, for being your third language, super impressive. So I appreciate your Great. time. Um, before we get out of here, can you let people know where they can continue to stay up to date with your own personal journey and everything that you got going on from your maybe your Instagram to your podcast and whatever platforms you want to shout out right now? Yeah, probably easiest my Instagram, Damien Zeit. Um, it's Damien as in Damien. I think in, in the English-speaking countries, it's uh, Damien with an E, yes. not with an A. So D-A-M-I-E-N. And then uh, Z-A-I-D um, at Damien Zeid is my Instagram and they have um, like a link trees uh, kind of thing. Um, all the links to my podcast and my, I also have a YouTube channel uh, because um, back when the uh, lockdowns happened and stuff, yes. I was reviewing strength training equipment because I had my home gym for like 15 years already. And then people wanted to see me training. I said, I'm not the best athlete. I'm training athletes, but if you want to see my training, my, my, my workouts and stuff, I can show you. But um, yeah, it's it's not that uh, uh, impressive, I would say. Um, but on my Instagram, I have, I show some of my tricking, my tricking journey, and I also post my, my podcast stuff. It's all in German, but if people are interested, I it's no problem to uh, also put it in there in English. Um, I started doing some kind of info posts about um, uh, different um, topics. I could also do them in English if people are interested um, or just just message me and um, if you want to know stuff in English, it's no problem. And uh, yeah, I would be happy to uh, come back if the interest is there to talk about the stuff. Um, it's probably easier to talk in English than 
do my whole Instagram in English. <laughs> but <laughs> but we'll see. Hell yeah, man. Guys, with that being said, please be sure to hit that like button, comment, and subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week. Join us every Monday for Jared Breakdowns and every Friday for brand new Jamcast, interviewing influential members of the movie community like Damien Zayed himself. So that being said, guys, give me one more very special shout out. Thanks for coming through, brother. I really appreciate your time and, and knowledge. Thanks for having me. Hell yes. And as always, guys, coming at you, coming through, I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here in another Jamcast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace.